you're doing. We open up our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Well, open your Bibles with me. Let's go to a couple places here. Go to Romans chapter 8, and then go to Galatians chapter 5. Romans chapter 8, Galatians chapter 5. And as I did last week, I'll have a few other verses that we'll throw in here, throw them up on the screen. And let me say this, and not because uh, I feel like it was the best message I ever delivered by no chance, but it's probably one of the most important ones uh, that I can deliver is, if you didn't get a chance, you missed last week, go on um, our iTunes or go on our website and listen to the message when we talked about uh, last week speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit. And go to one of the most important, important things, because we're going to move on today looking at living and walking in the Spirit. But I made two comments that I wanted to bring back up. And one was that in Acts chapter 2, Jesus wanted to make sure that before his church was on a go, like go, 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 that they were all filled with the Spirit. That was the first thing. Before they all went and did something, he wanted to make sure that they were all filled with the Spirit. And then the second thing I said was this, I wonder if many times my prayers are soul or thought prayers. I'll give you an example. You'll say, pray for me. Uh, pray for me this week in a job situation. And so I might pray, I'll find a scripture and I'll pray it, right? Which that's the way to pray. Pray according to God's word. But as we looked at last week, praying in the spirit is the perfect prayer because the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to pray for that person in that situation. So that's why I said, I wonder how many of my prayers are just thought, that soul, but they're not spirit-led prayers. And we need spirit-led prayers in these days. So if you didn't get a chance, follow up uh, from last week, because this week I'm going to talk living and walking. But as always, I want to kick off with John 7, verse 37 through 38. Uh, and as this year we've been talking about that hunger and thirst and righteousness, these are Jesus' words. In fact, he stands up and says, On the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out and he said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now here's... He, he talks about, he says, but he spoke concerning the what? The Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But he spoke of the living waters concerning what? Concerning the Spirit. Concerning the Spirit. We looked last week, in fact, Jesus in Luke eleven thirteen, after he talks about, uh, I, I love that uh, part where he says, now, would you give your son a scorpion for his birthday in a package? Well, nowadays, right? A kid would think that's pretty cool. <laughs> or a serpent. Oh, thanks, Dad. I always want to know. I remember taking a snake home from college and putting it in our bathtub and forgetting to tell my mom. And she went to go use the bathroom and screamed. We had a six-foot boa constrictor in her bathtub. And she wanted that. How many moms in here would have had a fit? She said, and I, and I don't mean to be you know, too descriptive, as she sat down on the toilet, a head looked, came up and looked at her. That was the six-foot bow. Anyways, 
Um, Jesus says this, you wouldn't give your child a bad gift. You would give them a gift that they care about. Well, Jesus then goes on and he says these words, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask, right? So we know that it's that asking part. And so our verse today uh, that I want to set up even today in Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Spirit living today doesn't end about 11.20. Okay? The time card doesn't. No. In fact, it started before you got here. And it continues as you go. But to live in the Spirit, I want to make sure that I walk in the Spirit. And I love this book as we, uh, in Acts as we were reading. Acts 3.19. I love this verse. So that times of refreshing may come in what? The potluck after service. What is it? The presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing will come in the presence of the Lord. Do you know today, it doesn't matter if you have, does anybody here have an electric car? Anybody here? Okay, then we have an electric car. Do you know you start to plug them in? Do you know they have this new, this uh, hydrofusion or cell now? Do you know you still have to fill it with water? Do you know if you get today the newest and greatest phone or tablet out there, do you know you still have to charge it? Right? Everything that we have has to be charged and energized, yet Jesus talks about a spirit on the inside that's living water that's like a fountain, but we've got to live and walk in that, knowing that he's on the inside to refresh us. But times of refreshing come in the presence of the Lord. You know the best thing to do sometimes when you're feeling dry or tired on the inside is to put on some worship music. Sometimes you've got to put on some old school music, sometimes whatever song it is, but it's amazing what happens to you when you do that. A refreshing part. It's like when David played for Saul and Saul had the distressing spirit, it left. He played that worship. That's not part of the match, it's just a freebie uh, today and there. Refreshing. Well, I asked myself this, how much of my day, how much of my week, how much of my year, how much have I go on is focused living and walking in the spirit? How much of my day? Is it a thought? When I get up in the morning, first thing I do, I drink a glass of water, I jump in the shower, and then I make coffee. I have a routine. But how much of our day is thinking about living and walking in the Spirit? Well, Jesus models this, and I just want to look at a few verses before we get back into Romans. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it gives us that first description. It says, Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And in every Bible I have, I've got circled or underlined or highlighted or Crayola'd, filled and led, right? Filled and led. That's what we experience as believers. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, but he's leading us. Jesus starts his ministry being filled with the Spirit, and then he also starts his ministry being led by the Holy Spirit, but I could pull out a ton of examples, and John chapter 4 would be one. He needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through. There was that being led of the Holy Spirit. He heals somebody on the Sabbath, not just to poke fun at the religious leaders, 
Because everything he did, he did because he heard and saw what the Father did. In fact, it would have been better had he just said, hey, I'm not going to heal you on the Sabbath because it really makes them all. Can we meet tomorrow? That would have been easier for him to do. Because nothing upset the religious leaders as much as clearing out the temple and healing somebody on the Sabbath. But he was led by what the Father told him to do. Filled and led. We see that. That's, that's the model he did. That's the model to us. He was filled and led. And then Jesus reminds us in John 14, 15, and 16. And he uses those names of the Holy Spirit. He's your helper. In fact, tell your neighbor, you've got a helper. right? You've got a helper. You've got the spirit of truth. You've got the teacher. You've got one that will bring back your remembrance. You'll have one that will guide you into all truth. All of those things Jesus said, but they didn't understand it. But as we read in John 7, well, he had not been glorified yet. And I love this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation or a new creature. Old things. Everybody say old things. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things are new. The new you now lives. The new you now lives, but you got to learn how to walk. You're alive, but you got to learn how to walk. I disconnect from the things of my past. Hopefully, when you run into somebody, they don't remember the things that you did in the past. People like to remember what you did in the past, like to remind you about it, but you remember you've been disconnected from those things. You've reconnected, and you're living now in the Spirit, you're walking by the Spirit, and you have a new way now of the way that you do things. You know, both of our kids, and I think this sometimes is a great example that we see, when they were first born, they're helpless. You gotta do everything for them. You gotta feed them, you gotta change their diapers, and they're up all night long, they sleep all day long, they keep you up all night long, and I'm sure none of you were ever grouchy or upset at all they didn't know how to walk from day one. In fact, they couldn't do anything. They were completely dependent. I remember the day you could finally set them on their stomach, and you'd think that they couldn't crawl. They just kind of would pretend swimming. But then they'd roll. Remember, I don't know if you remember, they'd start rolling around, rolling around. But then one day they started crawling. Oh, my goodness. And though you love seeing it, then they started crawling and getting into anything low. You took anything that was low and had to move it up high. And they'd crawl, crawl, crawl. My favorite story about my son, I didn't know he was going to sit in today. <laughs> but when they couldn't speak, we would teach them certain sign language things. And one of them was no. So tell your neighbor, do this, right? So if you ever need to in service, just get them to say. So we would teach them, you know, no, you know, you do this, no. In fact, he would do it back sometimes. He, he would understand no. Well, he wanted to. We were living in La Mirada at the time, and he wanted to get up the stairs, but they were very, very steep stairs. And he would crawl as fast as he could to the stairs, and he'd turn and look at us. And we'd say, no. And then he'd leave and come back. So we thought we had this thing mastered. He'd go to the stairs, no. He'd come back. But I don't know what happened one day. And it was the look in his eye. And he went to the stairs, and he looked up the stairs, and he looked back at us, and he did this to me. 
and he went right up the stairs. And as a parent, you, you, know, you want to be mad, but you, you know, you're trying not to laugh so that they hear. And then they start walking, right? Maverick, when he started walking, he went headfirst into our uh, uh, coffee table. In fact, he pulled his hair up. You still see where the stitches were. They were walking. You know, you got to move everything around. The kids are walking, walking. Well, it was a progression that they had. They were moving. And the minute they walk, they don't want to do anything else. Then they want to run. Now they want to drive. You know, that's kind of how the progression goes. But there's always that movement taking place. That's how it is in the life of a believer. You know, some people are happy just to be saved. Oh, I'm saved. I know that eternity I'm going to spend with the Father and Jesus and my ones. But that's not what Jesus then teaches. He doesn't just say, okay, you're saved. Now just hang on. Carlos, just hang on for a bit, right? Just hang on. No, he sees us living an abundant life in him. He sees us empowered to go out and do the, we, the things that we need to do, the things that we've been reading in the book of Acts. He wants us to live and to walk by the Spirit. And I, and I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18, in fact, I want to li- read two translations, one out of the New Century Version, and it says this, Our faces then are not covered. We all show the Lord's glory, and we are being changed to be like Him. This change in us brings ever greater glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I always say this, I'm a work in progress. As we'll look in a little bit, as the Apostle Paul talks about the flesh and the Spirit, I'm forever having to put the flesh down and to walk in the Spirit. But the more that I walk in the Spirit, the easier the flesh is to put down, or the easier it is to know when the flesh is trying to rise up and to have that ability to put it down. In fact, that's how it says that the change in us brings greater glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In fact, the century or the um, century uh, English version says, so our faces are not covered. They show the bright glory of the Lord as the Lord's Spirit makes us more and more like our glorious Lord. The Lord's Spirit makes us more and more like our glorious Lord. Or we could say it this way, the Holy Spirit is transforming me day after day to be more like Jesus and to see and do the things that he did. If I want to learn how to live and to walk, I need to get back in the Gospels and read through and watch how Jesus did. Watch how he addressed people. Watch that he looked to the Father. Watch how he was dependent on the Holy Spirit for everything he did. It was that living and walking out that fullness of the Spirit that he models for us. But I read this a couple weeks ago in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. This is prophesied, Old Testament, and this becomes the battle as we move on and we look at Romans and Galatians. So listen to what God prophesies. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me in the fountain of living waters and have hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. 
So here's that example of Jeremiah. How do many people live their life? They build their own cisterns. But are they active in providing living? No, they're broken. Now, they might not think they're broken, but to the Lord they're broken. And the Lord says this, they've forsaken me and the fountain of living water. Well, we read Acts, we started this morning, Acts chapter 3, verse 9, that 31, I should say, Acts 3, 31, that the church grew because of the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Right? The fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Well, I believe that's being echoed in Jeremiah is don't forsake me and don't forsake my living waters. Don't be like those that try to build their own system. In fact, we, we sing a song every once in a while and the words are your will, your way. Well, the opposite would be we'd sing my will, my way. No, it's your will, your way. Don't forsake me. And remember, and here it is echoed again, the Lord does in the Old Testament, echoed these fountains of living water as we live and as we walk this out. So I want to get to Romans chapter 8, verse 9. And I'll set this up uh, just this week. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. And this will be great as we're reading through the book of Romans uh, this month because there's so much the Apostle Paul pulls out on this Romans road. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. And it says this, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. He starts right out. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Let me back up just a little bit what the Apostle Paul is saying. In fact, it, you can read later. You can go in the beginning of, ver, of chapter 8. But in verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. That should be something that I start every day out praying. I am not going to get in the flesh today. I'm going to be in the spirit. Yesterday I blew it. Maverick and I were up earlier. We were washing my truck, pulled into the gas station. Uh, and I guess I was a little impatient. The person finished getting their gas. I don't know what they were doing in their car. I don't know if they were decorating. I don't know if they were putting in a new headliner. Uh, he may shake his head. It seemed like five, six, seven minutes. And I gently honked. And they looked up, and I think they waved something at me behind me. Got a wave or something. Well, then they pulled up. Well, uh, I had forgot my license at home and only had my credit card on me. Well, wouldn't you know that I went to go pay for gas at the pump? And it says, see cashier. And I walk up to the cashier to get gas. And they said, I need to see your ID. <laughs> it's back in the car, back home, couldn't get gas. And I thought, here I was impatient. And I couldn't even get gas, right? Because of my impatience. I bet you that the Lord made that gas pump say, go see cashier. 
just to show me, right? Don't walk in the flesh sometimes. And then I got to hear it from my son. How do you know that that person just didn't have a bad day today? And, you know, you just honked at them and just ruined their day. Oh, thank you. All right. You know. I know none of you have ever done that here before, have you? What if I start my day, say, Father, help me today not to be in the flesh. But I start today off in the spirit. Right? In the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the holy, uh, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I wonder that God could have put a different spirit in us. Could have filled us with an angel. Could have been something else. But he chose to fill us with his spirit. In fact, when we read that, I love that verse. Um, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I can't ever come to God and say, God, it's too impossible to break this because I can't rely on me. If it's up to me, I can't break it. But if it's up to his spirit, that's how I have to learn to live and to walk, to live and to walk. In fact, I believe what Paul is telling us to do first is switch it. We think we're flesh and spirit. No, turn it around. You're spirit and you live in the flesh. So live according to the spirit. And I love telling my family these stories. I'm pulling in to get coffee one morning and I can see a lady's trying to back out and uh, she's trying to get out. Nobody will let her back out. You know, they're trying to get in line and I let her, I let her back out. And then she cuts in the drive-thru line in front of me. Right? I didn't think anything out of it. I wasn't going to honk at her. She had kids in the car. She pulled up and paid for my drink order. I didn't know I went to go pay, and she paid for it. And I would always tell them that. Oh, yeah, how many of the other stories do you have, though? <laughs> you know, I think that's examples sometimes of stopping and saying, no, no, I'm supposed to spirit live first. That's the eternal part. He didn't leave us here helpless. But too many times we rely or we live on, not rely on, but we live in that flesh part that we're learning to turn off as we read these things. In fact, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. The Apostle Paul says these words, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we could say this, the flesh has no backbone. It's not standing up on its own. It lives only for itself. In fact, we almost say, too, it almost could be like somebody that is a Christian but has no convictions to give up those things of the flesh. And the flesh constantly... Uh, 
will talk to us. Some of you here in just a little bit, it'll, your flesh will start telling you it's time to eat. And how does it tell you? It roars, right? And what do you usually do? I've got to feed this flesh. Your flesh will tell you when it's time to go to bed. It'll let you know it doesn't want to get up in the morning. It'll tell you all different times. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh wants to try to do some spiritual things, but it's only to appease a person to think that they're actually walking in the Spirit when they're not. It's almost like somebody trying to do spiritual things that isn't spiritual. It's that bit of learning to, to walk in the Spirit. You know, uh, several years ago when we were at the beach, we were at a beach in Florida when we lived in North Carolina, and we were all getting stung. And we got out of the water, and we found out there had been a storm a couple nights before, and it must have killed a bunch of jellyfish. And the jellyfish were washing in in pieces, and in all of those pieces, everybody that were on the beach that day was getting stung. And I was never used to jellyfish growing up in Southern California. Not, not even, you'd see signs posted, but it was never, never a thought. You know, a, a jellyfish has no spine. But let me tell you, it's got a sting. A bad sting. And a little piece of it that you can't even see floating in the water can make you dance like, you know, crazy because it hurts so bad. Think about this. The flesh has no backbone. But the flesh in its little part can sting. It can zip. But the spirit gives life, right? The spirit. So Paul says, walk in the spirit. The spirit of God always agrees with the word of God. The spirit of God always leads us to freedom. Always leads us back to the word of God. It, the spirit never says anything on his own. He teaches the things that Jesus taught. It always leads to freedom. And then our verse Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If I live in the Spirit, let us also, it's a walk. Right? It's a walk. In fact, I'm going to close here in a second um, in Romans. So you can turn to Romans 12. I'm going to read out of the message. You know, our, uh, our coffee pot every month needs to be descaled. And you know how I know? When I make coffee and I go to put that coffee up, it's lukewarm. Now, I know nowadays we're into iced coffees and coffee drinks, but I know that every month I need to clean that thing out because it descales. But, you know, I don't do it every month. Sometimes it's a couple months. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a pain to descale the thing. Your, your first batch you got to go through. But you know what happens the moment it's descaled? It's hot. It's running how it's meant to run. It's coming out hot, like it's supposed to be. In fact, you almost think, how was I drinking it any other way than it was hot? It was meant to be clean and to pure. And I love this verse in Romans chapter 12, and I always read it out of the message, the first two verses, and it says this. Here's what Paul's saying. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, and place it before God as what? An offering. Take your everyday ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. 
embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out in you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. I love that beginning part. Take this everyday, ordinary life. Sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around. And I place this life before who? Before God as an offering. Lord, I start today off thinking of my life to you as an offering. Being somebody today that is being led by your Holy Spirit. I kick off my day giving it to you. And I love how that ends. Says, God brings out the best in you. You know who brings out the best in me? My what? No. God brings out the best in me. You know who brings out the worst in me? I bring out the worst in me. But the Spirit gives life. I place this everyday ordinary life before you and you're going to develop a well-formed maturity. A maturity. Living and walking in the Spirit. Bow your head, if you would, with me today. Father, I pray today that we all hear those words. Live in the Spirit, but also walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit, but also walk in the Spirit. So, Father, we come today and we place this life before you as an offering. Giving it over to you. You see the battles. You see the scars. You see all of the things in front of us. And the reason we give it to you is because we want to lay it down as an offering because you're the one that the Spirit is going to give life on the inside of us and bring us to a new level of maturity in you. Lord, I pray today as we give our lives to you that, Father, places in our life that we've held on to that have become difficult places when we give it to you that your Spirit speaks life. Your Spirit speaks direction. Your spirit is our comfort. There's never hopelessness because we have your spirit that wants to guide us. And Lord, I pray for all of us today that we would live and walk. Lord, that we go back, even as we talked about last week, you've given us a language by with to pray with that strengthens us, encourages us. Jude says it builds us back up. And Father, we pray for those things today. And if anybody's here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, we're all going to pray this prayer together. In fact, can we all say these words? Repeat after me. Dear God, 
Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived. I believe that he lived. And that he died for me. And that he died for me. But he rose again. But he rose again. I accept him. I accept him. As the Lord of my life. As the Lord of my life. My Savior. My Savior. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. Thank you for filling me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for filling me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, if you prayed that for the first time, we would love to pray with you at the end of service. In fact, even from last week, if you need prayer, even after last week, you still have questions maybe about the Holy Spirit, we'd love to pray uh, with you at the end of service as well too. Well, stand with me and let's uh, worship the Lord before we close today. <laughs>